Hi, thanks for being here and listening. Just a quick announcement before this episode begins. I had a little bit of a microphone mishap right before we recorded, so the audio quality isn't as great as I normally would want it to be. However, my guest, Dale Marshall, really transcends all that, and she has so much wisdom to offer. So here it is, my conversation with Dale Marshall. Hi, and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mugis, and welcome to the show. This week, I am continuing my Kids Yoga Perspective series with Dale Marshall, and she is someone who I connected with on Instagram, and we've talked briefly, and she's got a wealth of experience, and I just can't wait to learn more. But before we start, I wanted to give a little bit of her background. Dale is a mother of two children. She has been an educator of 18 years in both elementary and high school positions. Her purpose lies in actively working in her school and communities to awaken children's self-awareness and empowerment outside of the classroom. She is a published children's book author, conducts workshops, summer camps, and volunteers as a mentor with various youth leadership organizations. She is a certified mindfulness instructor for both children and adults with specialization in classroom integration. Dale also founded an after-school program called E-Squared Empowered Enlightened Kids for character development through mindfulness and yoga. She loves the beach and exploring nature, dining experiences, meeting people from different walks of life, traveling, reading, doing yoga, and spending time with loved ones. Dale, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm happy to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you being here. And um, there's so much I want to ask you about. So I want to kind of dive right in and ask you, how did you first get into kids yoga and sharing mindfulness with children? Sure, I think it was about 2007 when I realized that adults have a lot of problems and we really don't know how to navigate it well until we've gone through so many different experiences. And so I just felt led to be a catalyst to provide outlets for kids to kind of come into their own social emotional awareness. And I had the idea of why not have kids do yoga? <laughs> And so at a summer camp that I was doing that year, I asked someone in the community that is a yoga teacher if she would teach yoga to the kids for the entire summer. And she said, yeah, why not? And that was my very first time, um, you know, having an experience with yoga and children. And as I looked and researched more on the Internet about it, I realized that this was catching on all over the world. And so as time went on, I decided to become certified in, in mindfulness education and also um, in kids yoga and just to try to build on, you know, building that, that full awareness for kids through mindfulness yoga. So when was this when you first started? What year was this? 
when I first started or yeah when you when you were like oh I want I wanted to share yoga with kids okay well it was that year 2007 that was the first Mm -hmm. year that I came to the kids my first time teaching would have not been until about 2011 okay yeah so I was so you're you're in the Bahamas and um we had talked briefly and I had said that part of the reason I started this podcast was I found in New York City it's there was a strange kind of competitiveness between um, kids' yoga companies I was noticing. And you said, um, well, in the Bahamas, you're the only one. You said, so there's not that same sure. thing. So, yeah, so I was it's, just, so interesting. In that. it's so interesting because the thing is that once people realize that something is, is interesting, they're like, well, what's going on over there? And then all of a sudden you start hearing it popping up in different places. Um, and so as recently as last summer, I heard about another, um, summer camp that was offering yoga for kids. Now I haven't heard anything since then, but pretty much the market is wide open. And I call it a market, even though I, I begrudgingly do that because <laughs> you have to see it as a market, but it's pretty much wide open in terms of competition per se. There aren't a lot of people that are offering yoga to kids and if they are I definitely don't think that they're certified yoga teachers it's really it's really a new thing here in the Bahamas really new. right so you yeah you found something and, and something that was needed um can you tell me a bit about your company star inspired I you have so many programs I was reading about right so star inspired began when I published a children's book and this, the moral of the story basically is a little girl that goes on a journey and she awakens to self-awareness traveling on a star to outer space and so the company was named star inspired because that is my mission to awaken self-awareness in children through different modalities and so i under that umbrella we have the conscious kid movement and that's where i have different camps and workshops um mindful writing camps, yoga and mindfulness camps, things like that, empowerment camps. And then also um, the after-school program comes under that umbrella, which is Club E Square, where kids come after school and they learn mindfulness and yoga under a special program that I have. It runs for about 12 weeks. Um, and we talk about different themes of character development and interpersonal relationships. We learn how to how to be more self-aware and also how to get along with each other. Wow. So you have a lot going on kind of under that umbrella. I also saw you offer, um, I think it was mindful mothering is working with parents. Right. So what we we tend to do as parents is to kind of project our desires (laughs) onto kids. (laughs) And I have a very strong belief that Children come to us with a specific signature. You know, I call it a soul signature. They come to us with a signature. They already have a purpose. They already have, you know, things that are very um, unique to them. And so our job as parents, while we're grooming and rearing them and, and kind of guiding them, is to also allow that to just shine and take on its own shape. So the mindful mothering consultation that I do is to kind of integrate um, 
getting to know who your child is and then facilitating an awareness around that so that you're not allowing your emotions to lead you. We know mindfulness is teaching us to focus away from impulsive emotions and patterns. And so when you bring that to the parenting atmosphere, then you do the same thing. You separate the way that you parent from your own emotional patterns and your traumas and so forth. And just focus on what it is that the child needs emotionally. Um, and you kind of change your responses and the way that you, you know, rear your child, basically. So that's what the Mindful Mothering Program is. That's so fascinating to me because I, I've practiced yoga and mindfulness for so long prior to having children. And I thought it would kind of just naturally come into my parenting and it does, but there's also a lot of times it doesn't. <laughs> and I'm finding that, um, yeah, I think our children, we're just so close to them that they tend to like trigger things in us that are there that have nothing to do with them, but exactly. are, are in us. So it makes so much sense. That's really fascinating to me. Um, and it's so also, it's also a whole new skill set because we think that we're so grounded. And then here comes another little person that we care, care for so much. It's almost like a part of us outside of ourselves that we now have to interact with it and kind yes. of attach to, but still detach, you know? So it's a whole different practice altogether. Right. Um, I wanted to circle back, which you had mentioned earlier, um, that it started with your children's book. I didn't realize that's where um, it started, but can you tell us just a little bit more about um, the title of it and just how you got the idea for the book and, and how you went about publishing it? Okay, so the name of the book, it's on Amazon and in Kindle form, is Superstar Me, Adana and the Dog Star. And it literally was a story that just came to me because I had started the hobby of stargazing. Prior to that, I had, I had already been doing workshops and working with kids empowerment and all that stuff in school as a teacher. But the story came to me because I would stargaze a whole lot. And there was this particular star that I was interested in, which is the brightest star in the sky, Sirius. And so I researched about it and researched about it. And then the story literally just unearthed itself to me about a little girl who was also fascinated with astronomy. And one day her favorite star came down and took her on a journey um, to meet her father that was lost. And she came face to face with not only her father, but with a whole new love and appreciation for herself and for why she was here and for the fact that we're all connected to one another. And so that's the powerful message that I wanted to send to kids that we're we're all connected we all have a purpose and yeah so superstar me adana and the dog star that's the name of it and how did you um i'm just curious because i know a bunch of listeners are kind of interested in the children's book field did you self-publish or did you work with a publishing company i did self-publish it took wow. me a few months and it was an intense process. I must say that for anyone that is interested in self-publishing, you have to be really committed and passionate about getting your work out there because in order to get it done properly, it's going to take time and it's going to take consistency and follow through. Um, but it definitely can be done. So there are some different places that you can publish through like Create Space. 
Um, and then I know that Amazon has also, I think they changed up things a bit now that Amazon has their own self-publishing avenues that people can go through to self-publish. And then there's Lulu as well. So I personally use CreateSpace and I outsourced my own illustrators. And then I also had to outsource somebody to set up the book properly so that everything bled in, you know, the right way and to get the cover designed. So it was a collaborative effort between me, graphic artists, and then, you know, placing it through the, through the platform of CreateSpace until we got the final product. Right. So it's a lot of jumping through hoops and different steps, but, um, basically, <laughs> so yeah. with that, what I would suggest they do first is number one, to go ahead and write out. Once you have your story done, go ahead and write out exactly what your vision is for your illustrations and for how you want your story to flow. Have an idea of what size you want the book to be and who your reader is. Once you fine tune that, get somebody to read over everything that you wrote and edit it. And then you send it to an illustrator and you give them specific points as to what illustrations you want, work with them one-on-one. -on -one. And once you have all of your illustrations, you then go and find someone that formats and you can check Fiverr. Fiverr.com is a good place that has a lot of professionals that deal with formatting books for Kindle and print. So you can go to Fiverr.com and um, find a professional that, that can format your book. And once you have that done, you get, a, you get your cover design. And once the book is complete, that's really just the first step because marketing is a whole other ball game. <laughs> yeah. So it's not for the, it's not for the lighthearted. You really have to be passionate about it, but it can be done and it's very fulfilling, especially when you see people from all over the world purchasing your book or doing reviews or, you know what I mean? It's really fulfilling. Absolutely. Well, I know I'm going to get a copy for my daughter. It sounds wonderful. So superstar made the Donna and the dog star. I'd love to know. How old is your daughter? So my daughter is four and a half. Okay. Great. Do you think it's, it's good for her age? Story. I think that it would be great for her age. And because it is an early chapter book, it's something that she would have to look forward to because my daughter was about five years old when I published it and she absolutely loved the story. So I would read it to her like you would read up to a certain point each night and then it would probably take you like two or three nights. So it gives them something to look forward to. And it's it's a really nice book. I'd love to hear your feedback once, once you share it with her. Absolutely. And that's great because bedtime can be a struggle. So if we have something to look forward to <laughs> together right. in bed, exactly. that's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Um, I also wanted to ask you a little bit more about the after school program you mentioned that you started. Um, I just love that you say it's for character development through mindfulness and yoga. So right. can you just tell me a little bit about uh, what those classes look like? Oh, sure. No problem. So we all come to class and I generally have a theme in mind that day. let's say kindness. So we would all come in and then I have an icebreaker and it kind of, it kind of sets the tone for whatever the theme is that day. And then we have circle time where we check in with each other's emotions. And I have these weather cards. Um, it's called what's your weather. And I actually have them on my website. I think, I don't know if they're still free download. They might be. 
But um, these are some weather cards, and the kids have these nice shells or stones, and they basically would put their stone on whatever their weather is for that day, and then we would talk about that, you know. So it it's the first step in self-awareness. When we come there, it's a very aware space where we realize that, that emotions are like weather. They come and they go. So what's the weather like today? The weather is like this and that's okay. And everyone else shares, you know, what their weather is and that's okay. Um, so then after that, we would go and get into um, a yoga routine. And when I say, say routine, I use it very loosely. Because it depends on whatever theme we're working at. We may choose postures that go along with that theme, or we may go on a yoga journey that goes along with that theme. And then we usually incorporate a craft or a game, something really fun. And the kids interact with one another and we talk about the theme of kindness the entire time, but it doesn't feel like you're having a lecture. It doesn't feel like you're having a class per se. Mm -hmm. So we might do something fun at, at at circle time, like passing, or I'd have um, some confetti or some glitter in my hand, and I literally would pass it along to one child until we have it around the whole circle, and then we just sprinkle it into the air, or we may do random acts of kindness, like we leave the center where we are and we go next door to the to the deli and hand out um, warm affirmations to strangers and just get joy from seeing them look at the cards that say you're beautiful or. Um, I love your smile, you know, so the kids get the joy of actually going out and doing something kind for no reason. Uh, we also do things like we may do yoga journaling. So we would do a few different poses, let's say warrior pose, child's pose, um, mountain pose, tree pose. And then I would ask the child to draw what pose they've done and to tell me how that pose makes them feel. Why is it their favorite? And some children say some things that you really would not even recognize that they'd be aware of. You know, for example, they were in warrior pose. It makes them feel strong. So they're able to embody the pose so much that they realize not only is this just a posture, this is a posture in my mind also, you know, so they're completely embodied and they're able to, um, journal that on paper so it's beautiful it's 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 very inclusive we do things with our hands we talk we write we interact with one another we move so I hope I answered that I hope I gave you an idea of what class is like <laughs> no. no I wish you could see me because I was just nodding the whole time I'm like yes yes <laughs> <laughs> what I love about it is that you it's not just the physical part of yoga at all. You're incorporating all the parts from, yes. you know, sitting there. I think that's so important to check in at the beginning, to have that discussion. And then I loved the random act of kindness. So literally taking it off the mat because everyone always says that, like, take your yoga off the mat. But off the mat, exactly. <laughs> it's so wonderful. Um, and I love hearing that kids just innately they get it. Like you said, they'll, they feel the pose and they can describe it. And it's just incredible to hear how they, the words that they use. And I also love the drawing idea. So love it. When we get um, into pose and you say, you know, you put your forehead to the earth, and feel the connection that we're all like, they cut, they really get it. Like you said, on a very innate level, they get it. And they're not clouded by so much like adults. You know, so they really get it. Yes. 
I was curious if, if you were willing to share it, um, if you do yoga with your own children at all and what that might look like, how, how is it different than um, a yoga class you're teaching to other children? Right. So interestingly enough, my kids come to come with me when I have yoga classes. And there's a big divide in the ages because my daughter is now 10 and my son is going to be six in August. He's five now. So as we know, as yoga teachers, that's two totally different classes. <laughs> but he comes and he tries not to bounce off of the wall. But on yoga journeys, he really enjoys that. At home, it's a little different because I don't force them to join me. I allow them to come in and join if they wish. And many times, whether I'm meditating or doing yoga, they would organically just come if they feel led. And I'm really okay with that. You know, I never want to make it a thing that they have to do. I want to, I want them to feel led and open to it. And so when they come and join me, I make space for them. And when they're done, they just go and that's my Because we all have our Yes, that's so that's a theme I've been hearing. Um, anyone that's been on the show who's a mom and I've asked this question, um, we all say the same thing that it's like you do yoga and then they'll join if they want to. And that's how. And if you when, when my daughter was younger, it's like if I tried, I, I very quickly realized that obviously she'd be resistant. She's like, no, I don't. Like, I don't want to do this. So it's more just living it. And, um, yes. and that's how they learn. The path of least resistance. Yeah. And it's also really great that you, your kids get to see you teach as well. Um, they come with you. <laughs> so I, I also wanted to, I, I like to put into context kind of where we are in the world when, when I talk to people and it's such an intense time right now global pandemic and protests and the racial injustice, you know, everything's coming to the surface. So I was just curious how you've been coping personally and um, kind of what your self-care has looked like during this intense time. Right. So that's a really loaded question. Mm. Um, okay. So globally and especially in the United States, where we're talking about racial injustice. Um, it, I think that it's a revolution all the time. Looking at, looking at the transformation of it rather than the tragedy, I think that it's a revolutionary time in that it's forcing some doors that were closed and it's forcing an awareness where there was none. So in a way, it's forcing a lot of light into darkness. Um, and sometimes that has, that doesn't always look pretty and it doesn't always happen peacefully, you know, but it's being done. And so that has been my focus while I know that there's a lot of pain that black people in America and all over the world are holding. I've chosen not to hold the pain and I've chosen to focus on the transformation that's coming out of it. And I don't say that in a way that is dismissive of the pain because it's there. But it's where I've chosen to place my focus and just looking at so many people that are on the front line risking their lives because they want change is a beautiful thing to me. Um, 
as it stands for the Bahamas, we all, of course, stand in solidarity with Black people everywhere because the Bahamas is predominantly Black. Since we have, our population is made up of persons that were enslaved and brought from Africa here to work on plantations. And so we're predominantly Black. And while we have not gone through the same type of racism that's happening in, in America, we we go through a totally different kind because the plantation mentality is kind of like where there's a thing called colorism, so it's like light skin against dark skin and in in the in a mental way that we think that those who are lighter hue is are better than those with the darker hue. So for me, my self-care has been to kind of disassociate so much from a lot of hype in the media. I try to just pay attention to what's going on so I know what's going on, but then I focus my attention on the transformation of it and what can I do, what conversations can I have that are uplifting. Um, what I also like for kids yoga is the fact that in the Bahamas, Yoga is seen as a white thing, and I've been called an Oreo most of my life, which is pretty sad, <laughs> but I've hmm. been called an Oreo, and that's because I've always been a very open-minded, uh, aware person that's been into meditation and yoga, and I've been told that I like white things, and so you can imagine what that really means in the psyche of people that Things like yoga and meditation are not for little black children. And so I'm really glad that I'm already in a position that I started to do this work before all of this happened, you know, to open the door to that. And now we're able to have this conversation that we probably may not have had if this didn't happen. Um, and I'm able to connect with yogis from different places that are doing the same kind of work and try to just bridge the gap. And, if possible, normalize yoga for everyone, meditation for everyone, and kind of just do away with the whole cultural appropriation of, of what yoga is and who it's for. That's so in a long-winded way. I hope. Yeah. I your no, I'm like totally. I mean, it's so that people would think yoga isn't for black children or for black people. And that it's a white thing because it's not even, it didn't even come from white people. <laughs> so that it's just such a, um, it's very sad, but I'm, I'm so glad that people like you are doing this work and have been doing this work and that, um, I'm hoping one positive with social media could be that we can see that, like you're saying, yoga is for everybody. It's a kind of a mental thing where I guess black children and black people feel like they only see white people doing yoga and so they say oh that's only for rich white persons or oh only a certain type of you know person does that and it's because there aren't very many people taking up space to do the work of teaching it to our kids so i own the responsibility of showing up to be that person that changes that stereotype you know what I mean? yes yes well that's such important work and i it's just um, just very inspiring that you're doing that. And it's, like you said, it starts with our children. So the more yoga we can get to our kids, you know, then we can hope that by the time when their generation's older, that our world can look a lot different. 
than it does now. So I, I also, I wanted to ask you and I feel like I can talk to you forever, but I'm going to try to wind down now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I wanted to end our talk with a little kids yoga gem. That's how I always end. So just one piece of practical advice to someone who's new to kids yoga or mindfulness. Um, what would your advice be? Someone who's new to kids yoga and mindfulness is do not approach it the way that you would with adults. Children are totally different. <laughs> And it needs to be fun, it needs to be relatable, and they need to be doing yoga and mindfulness and not even realizing that they're embodying these traits and taking on these skills because it's so enjoyable. You know, it could be something that they're not resisting because they want to. That would be my, yeah. be my take for them. Yes, that's spot on. Um, I'm sure people are going to want to find you and get in touch. So can you just um, let us know where people can find you, your website, your social media, and all that? Sure. Um, my Instagram is at star underscore inspired. Um, yeah, star underscore inspired. And the website is www.starinspiredinc.com. So they can find me there. I'm best reached on okay great i'll include all that on the show notes so people can find you um thank you so much for taking the time to talk and i really enjoyed our conversation and i hope we could stay in touch and keep the conversation going <laughs> i enjoyed it it's wonderful you too. you too all right i'll talk to you soon thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode or if you've listened before, there are a few ways that you can help this podcast to keep going. So first, you can click subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave a rating and a review. This will help more people find the podcast. You can follow us on social media at the Kids Yoga Podcast on Instagram and the Kids Yoga Podcast on Facebook. You can also email me. I love to hear your questions, comments, feedback. The Kids Yoga Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week.